Welcome to the Feel Strong Fitness Podcast. We create one-on-one custom fitness solutions to achieve your goals without wasting time or compromise. We build and rebuild committed people so you can get out of pain, get strong, and get back to living the life you want to. We don't waste time. So let's get on with the show. Brad Williams, welcome to the Feel Strong Podcast. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Justin. Absolutely. I'm happy to have you here. Uh, We met through the online space, and I've already been on your podcast, which is the Over 40 Fitness Hacks. And I'm happy to say, for anyone who initially recoiled hearing that title, that Brad is full of hacks, and they are not garbage. This is actually useful stuff you're getting into. Could you unpack a little bit what you mean by, by fitness hacks for people? Yeah, I think when I first got it, it was more of a trendy term, you know, fitness hacks and biohacking, yet it's not really biohacking type stuff, even though I am into, you know, those kind of podcasts and shows. It's more of just fitness tips, but fitness tips that have worked for me, you know, been been personal training and training people for the last 13 years. And now myself, I've turned 40. I'm actually 42 now, but that was a the theme of my show when I did it because it is harder to lose weight and it is you know, you, you do start slowing down. Maybe you've had an injury like me and here are all the fitness tips. I call them hacks to help you get on your way, but also not give up your social life because, you know, I like having my fun time on the weekends. I'm not giving them up. <laughs> yeah, that's perfectly reasonable. And I think, yes, how people's bodies respond changes over time. I think people understand that. But I think you also just made a really good point that fitting all of this within your life as it changes is also really important. Your, your goals may well change, but the way the rest of your life looks and your other responsibilities and commitment are likely different at 42 than they were at 22. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, now it's just kind of time is a concern, too. You know, people over 40 have families, jobs, you know, you're having to worry about keeping your stress down. Um, you know, you don't want that cortisol levels going crazy. So it's just everything has to be more quality and efficient. And that's what I've really been working on the last five years. Um, I'll just tell your audience, you know, five years ago, I had a little lower back injury, nothing related to anything fitness, but it was just, you know, I'm the gym owner. So I'm the accountant, the bookkeeper, you know, the bathroom cleaner, everything, right. Running all these three gyms at one point and just was moving some equipment, just routine thing and tripped on something while I was holding the rack and very violently lunged out, caught myself and blew out my L5 S1. And just, just over the next five years, you know, on my show, I talk about it, you know, to death about each step that I went through and how horrible, you know, so if anyone wants to listen to that, you can listen to that show. But anyways, I'm two surgeries later and I've just learned how to slow down everything and how much better my body, uh, you know, accepted that versus, you know, what in my mind thinking, okay, you know, give it a little bit of break, but build this body back up to where I want it. Cause I'm a personal trainer. I'm an athlete. And now I'm just like, I can't do this anymore. You know, I got to be more mindful of of how I come back because how many more times can I have this injury happen? And uh, just the style of training, you know, my nutrition, things I've just added to my routines very slowly, building slow, healthy habits. And how much better now, five years later, I feel, I feel so much better than I was, you know, back in my 30s. Um, you know, in my 20s, obviously, we can all say we were stronger and more athletic, but as far as feeling good, I think that's what matters more. And that's where I'm at a place of that. 
just very low stress. All my workouts, I really only do like 30 minute workouts at most and feel exhausted just come the way I, I train now. Uh, I think that's a great point. And I'm, I'm maybe obviously on your side. I mean, we call the company feel strong for a reason. It's not get huge. It's not get jacked. It's like, it really is feeling that way. Setbacks like, setbacks like that, pardon me, are really scary. And I think when people hear about those injuries, some people will want to reduce what they're doing right away or avoid fitness altogether. Could you talk a little bit about what you mean by slowing things down and having that be as effective as work you were doing before? Yeah. So just, you know, coming off of surgery, you know, slowing down even the recovery process, you know, if anything, just time will do a lot and let your body heal itself versus the first time I had surgery, I kind of, you know, even the surgeon said, okay, in six weeks, go see the physical therapist. Physical therapist said, you know, in two to three months, we can get you back to working out and back to sports and playing hockey. And, you know, I just did what they said. And I thought that was a little aggressive. And it turned out it was because I re herniated my disc again. So after the second time, just it's okay not to get right back in, you know, to where I was prior to all this and and hit all my PRs again and, and whatnot. You know, it's there's so much time left. I'm only 42 or at the time, I think I was 40 to like build this body back. Just take it slow. So the, the after that surgery, I took a, a month and a half off of work. I didn't even go in, just laid in my bed or laid on the ground. And then the only PT I did for six weeks was walking, you know, just went a little bit farther each time. And then after three months, then I started doing physical therapy. And then I don't think I even started lifting three pound weights until nine months. And so then I just kind of incorporate that now that I'm slowly building my body back, you know, there's a concept of uh, doing it slower. People call it negatives or time under tension or slow-mo training. There's a million terms for it. I like time under tension, but just, you know, now instead of looking at, you know, certain weights and how much I used to lift, I just don't care anymore. I use lighter weights. I take five to 10 seconds sometimes to do a squat and five to 10 seconds back up and literally use 20 pound weights when I normally could have like, you know, 70s laying here on my shoulders doing like a uh, a front squat or, or weighted squat and doing it that way and focusing on everything, engaging core. You know, it's a lot of the stuff that we preach as trainers anyways, but to just take it to the next level, just feel every motion of that, slow it down so much. So every rep, you get so much out of it. And then after six reps, you're exhausted. And, uh, you know, then there's less wear and tear on your body, less weight, less damage. Um, you're doing all the right things. And, you know, now since doing that style for everything, even walking now, when I go on a walk, I have a little six pound weight vest and, you know, knees bent, not locked and walking and almost making like a skater type walk. So I'm activating my glutes as I go just ever so slightly, you know, just enough to not have people stare at me weird. (laughs) But that's just kind of every aspect of my life is now with that kind of philosophy. And that's what I'm saying. I'm just so much better. And that's what I'm preaching more to my clients now, especially the over 40 crowd. And that mindfulness and intention is often something people have to learn if they don't have the luxury of having a coach around them who can guide them in that way. Certainly anyone who's a feel strong client is well acquainted with, we usually just generally refer to it as tempo. Like every movement has a tempo, whether or not you're assigning it one. If you do a squat in half a second, then that squat was, you know, a quarter second down, a quarter second up with no rest at either end. Or you can do, you know, five seconds down, five seconds at the bottom, five seconds up. And they are very different feelings. And knowing you can get, and there's at this point exhaustive studies showing that 
any goal other than absolute strength. If you are a competitive power lifter, competitive Olympic weightlifter, if the only thing that matters is the weight on the bar, yeah, you're going to have to go really heavy sometimes. For almost every other goal, including hypertrophy, bodybuilding, sport, all of these things, you can get the same bang for your buck using lower weights, controlled tempo, and ideally a little mind-muscle connection to make sure we're really working the way we think we are and incorporating those two, more time under tension as you referred to, and that mind-muscle connection can blow people's minds. Even people have been training for decades. When you're suddenly like, no, the only thing that matters in this you know, split squat is that hamstring feeling for you today. We're doing, I know usually we work this way. Now I just, whatever adjustments you need to make to find that hamstring and their eyes light up and sweat starts pouring off them and they've never felt like this before with you know, rel- you know what would be light to medium weights for them most days. Yeah. And you know, it's funny too, some of the newer, uh, younger bigger bodybuilders in my gyms at one point, you know, I had over 60 personal trainers renting space in my gyms and some of the younger ones were picking big time on, you know, time under tension and they would be using hardly any weight. Like we were just talking about and they would start finishing off with, uh, you know, just bands and yeah, they had various bands of various degrees and they could do the, the bigger ones, but they are, they were just huge. It's just, you know, that's all that matters for hypertrophy is just stimulating that muscle it doesn't need to be mega heavy weight. And now this new wave coming in of bodybuilders is just going to have so much better joints than our, our previous uh, old favorites, you know, Schwarzenegger's and everybody. So it's just cool to see that. And yet, you know, my goal is not necessarily hypertrophy. You know, I would like a little bit of aesthetics, but mostly it's just functional fit for me and and also time efficient. You know, like I said, I don't do anything more than 30 minutes now. And the, the amount of uh, work I can get done and the way my body feels and everything for that time for that time is just amazing. Well, and that time under tension can give you so much in that 30 minutes. You don't have to do, you know, four different leg exercises to make sure you got a good workout in. If you take, you know, eight to 12 seconds to do a single squat, that's good. Your, your quads are set. Move yeah. on. If you want to do some unilateral stuff. I think that there's some good arguments there, but you don't need to do four different variations regardless of your goals. Yeah. And I think too, you know, just from the years I've been in this business and how many years I've been working out, you know, I'm kind of very mindful of when I get in there, I'm there to work. You know, I don't sit there and chat up everyone in the gym. And I know for some people that's a community thing and, and, you know, God bless them. And I had a lot of them with my, in my gym experience too. And that's, that was part of the motivator of coming. But uh, for me, just, you know, get in and get out. So like I said, 30 minutes, you, I, I can do so much in, the, in that time frame with the least amount of weight and body weight and just feel so good. I find the the working out with people or with people who want to talk to me a very, very different experience than working out for me. And especially, I still have a lot of in-person clients, so I really relish the like 30 to 45 minutes if I can get alone yeah. or in a back or some or a different gym that no one knows that I'm a trainer and no one's going to try and talk to me and ask me questions because when they start talking, I want to listen and my empathy comes out and my coach hat goes on, but I can also feel the 43 minutes left I have in my day to train kind of (laughs) dripping away. And I never want to resent talking to someone. So I've also started like setting up boundaries for there. Be like, you know, this is what you're asking is a very important question. Truthfully, I think it's a 15 minute discussion and I have 40 minutes left to train. Can we please book a time? Here's my link. Here's a thing. I want to actually have this discussion and not be, you know, half resenting talking to you while we're doing it. Yeah. And, you know, just, just training certain clients that were the talkers too, you know, it's awesome, but it's also, 
you know, we need to get some work done here. And, you know, with those, I'd always just put, you know, all right, got to bust out the stopwatch. We're going to just do time circuits now. So keep talking and keep keep doing the exercise until I tell you to switch. You know, and then eventually they're so gassed, they start slowing down. (laughs) For, do you think some of this training has obviously been influenced by your priorities changing? And I have a lot of conversations, especially with folks who have had injuries in the past, and especially with folks kind of crossing over the age of 40 where uh, their life has significantly changed. How much of that do you think has to do with changing with kind of ego lifting? With sort of like, we talk a lot about testing versus training, mm-hmm. right? Like the utility of a one rep max is actually relatively low. Again, unless you're competitive, unless that's going to win you a medal or something. But doing one rep of something as heavy as you can is actually like pretty low bang for your buck, pretty high risk versus reward. Training, usually something a lot more sustainable. But again, I feel like this is something that has to be learned. Yeah. You know, you know, over, over the 13 years of training, you know, I'd always kind of, you know, pick the, the style of training I did was more circuit training, you know, blend of weight training with, with a little bit of cardio, mostly just to keep them, keep them moving and give their muscles a little bit of rest and kind of stayed in the 15 rep range. That way it's a good blend of hypertrophy as well as a little bit of, you know, fat burning. Um, and, uh, the only, the only person that was really doing all the powerlifting was me. Cause you know, it was just a, a passion of mine, but I really wouldn't let my clients, you know, do those PRs or anything like that. It's like, if no, you have to be able to do the 15 reps, you can go heavier if you can still hit 15 reps. And one, it's kind of a safety mechanism too. We're not ever getting so heavy that you can't handle it because you have to do 15 reps. Um, but for me personally, just, I think over time, just getting older and slowing down, knowing, knowing that I wouldn't have my 20 year old body anymore, starting to have little aches and pains. I think it's just a natural progression that I started toning down that, that kind of stuff for myself, but definitely after an injury, you know, very humbling experience, eye opening, and just now really studying, okay, I need to change. Even the stuff I'm doing is still too much for my body right now. And you know, that was kind of the the mechanism that started really flowing into, uh, you know, doing negatives and time under tension. Cause you know, we dabble it with it before, but didn't really focus and pay attention on that, nor the mind body connection. You know, we're watching form and everything, but you really got to coach someone to how to feel each contraction, each having your core engaged and, and taking the time to really focus on every aspect of that before just letting them do, you know, the half hour or hour workout. So just just get so much more out of it. And I think that's just part of the progression of being a trainer and just becoming, you know, better at it and more skilled and thus you can charge more. (laughs) Yeah. And being willing to stop for those educational moments, whether it's learning what a contraction is, or I will absolutely these days, if it's appropriate, like stop a session down, walk over to the whiteboard and draw out, you know, my five minute load versus capacity lecture, because it's really important. And I think trainers who are hesitant to do that are still, you know, suffering a little bit of imposter syndrome or worried that, you know, they're not going to provide the awesome workout. And an awesome workout is not, is likely not someone moving nonstop for 58 minutes. If they leave and they have more skills that they can actually use in the rest of the world and continuing to apply those and continuing to work toward to being an autonomous client. So 10 years from now, when they've utterly forgotten about whatever workout you did that day, but they still understand that mind muscle connection. That's having a real positive effect on them. Even if you had to, you know, skip your last set of abs or whatever it was. Yeah. 
you know, and, and I think the whole, my mindset, at least of coaching and training somebody is by, if they've stayed with me long enough is to give them everything I know, all that education, you know, com- c- you know, compress it into something they can easily, you know, digest. But by the end, they can train themselves. They know everything I know. It's more of just, we're doing this now out of motivation and maybe any new things in, in the in the fitness world come out. That's why, you know, you have us because we're just so immersed in this. But, you know, my goal is to make them just as good of a trainer as, as me by the end of it. You know, I'm not, I'm not trying to hold anything back that they have to have me forever. You know, my job was always, you know, just keep the motivation and accountability. And that's how you get a client to stay with you forever. So yeah, the, the information is free because they can get that information anywhere. Yeah. Enough Googling, enough poking around, enough time on YouTube. They can learn anything you know. The implementation is where some of the magic is. Yeah. And I'm exactly on board with you. I try, it is on purpose that people are getting educated as they go. And the intent is that you can go off and do this on your own. And I absolutely have clients who've been with me for years now who could. And they don't because they don't want to. They're like, no, you, you deal with the programming. You decide, you analyze this. And they maybe want another set of eyes. Maybe they don't have time. But they could do it. And they're well aware of this. We have talked about this. It's not a surprise. And yet they still want me there and want my help and want my analysis. Yet another reason for trainers to not be afraid to that they're ever going to you know, over-educate a client Smart clients are only easier to work with, and they're only better for themselves. Yep, absolutely. Um, you know, in my in my career, I've always kind of stayed with the semi-private training. You know, where it's three to four people. Um, everyone's still on their own individual program, but it's just enough people to where one trainer can still watch their form and all that kind of stuff. But still, a little hard to like teach each person while you're training for that mind muscle connection. So, you know, going back, it probably would have been better to, you know, as you get a new client, have workshops where you could sit there and, you know, focus on a couple aspects of like the squat or, or, uh, you know, bench press or something like that. Um, just, just to educate them and teach them. Cause it's, it was just a little hard to do that as, as a semi-private trainer, not to mention you look at all these boot camp gyms out there and they're not watching anyone's form. So, I mean, it's just, you're burning calories. No, you know, we're not taking that away from them. But uh, definitely people are just doing things wrong. Nothing's getting caught and all that. So I think, you know, if anyone listening is that likes that style, they, you know, maybe the big gyms or the big boot camp circuits, they, they like the camaraderie of everybody. But, you know, that's great. But I think it would benefit everyone to do more of a like private session at least a couple times or even checkups with somebody just to see if everything is is working. They're, they're, they're grasping the concepts of that mind-body connection. Their form is perfect then you'd feel better about throwing back into the, you know, the bigger populations. Exactly. We've, the gym I work, what I do all my hands-on in-person work with actually has moved to a version of that where there is a small group, pardon me, kind of individual design model where there's, you know, not more than six people in a room, all have their own programming and there's a lead coach overseeing all of it, answering questions. And they also, the lead coach also has access to all their programming, checking in, making sure everyone's where they're supposed to be. But to, you essentially have to graduate out of personal training to get there. Yeah. So when you show up, no matter who you are, you're going through at least eight personal training sessions. If The Rock comes in, The Rock is going through eight PT sessions. Yep. That's just the way it is. And one, to prove competency, but also just to like get have those moments and have that education, have that connection, because it's harder to do in bigger groups. And with online clients, Even I have more and more modules 
that I deliver on like quote unquote rest days. You know, fewer and fewer people have pure rest days anymore, especially if you're new, a newer client and you're getting, you know, a five minute video, an eight minute video of these, these ideas of what does it mean to work out with pain and what is a mind muscle connection and what do we mean by tempo and those small elements so they can incorporate it not while they're in the middle of a workout, but on this, you know, sort of off time. Yeah. You know, uh, I've always had the luxury of having a, a physical therapist at my gyms as well. And that that's also a huge thing I think is important for someone to do at least, uh, you know, uh, uh, what do you call it? A, just a checkup. Assessment. Make sure, yeah. Assessment. Yeah. You know, when, and as trainers, you know, varying degrees of certifications and all that, and we all have our own ways to assess. Um, but just having a one time before anything, just checking for injuries, everything, then progress through. And, you know, I thought that was really important to have. And I've always had it because we always had a physical therapist renting space from us. So it just came with came with the, the place. That's a huge additional value because I have, you know, I have a small handful of physical therapists that I trust to refer people to. But having that person on site where you can just say, actually, stop what we're doing. We're going to walk next door and see if, you know, whoever it is, Dr. Ryan has a moment to look at you because I'm a little concerned uh, is potentially an enormous value. Yeah. So, Brad, I think the way that the podcast came about is actually a pretty compelling story. Would you mind taking people through that a little bit? Yeah. So, you know, like I said, I've been in the game for 13 years. The ups and downs of the brick and mortar gym owner, how hard it's to do even do business here in California. Um, The competition here in Orange County was just always, I'm sure, like New York, L.A. is just as bad, too. But, uh, you know, just you can't learn this in school. That's why I always tell everyone you have to jump in and, and learn it for yourself. And I've had my wins. I've had my failures. And at some point I've had to d- I dwindled down with my investors down to to one gym. And then uh, just as we were about to even sell sell our gym, um, COVID came and that literally wiped out that deal. Um, you know, we were already kind of struggling even before that with uh, California's laws on, you know, who's classified as a as a independent and who's classified as an employee. So we had to readjust all that. And so, you know, just, just learning that life happens and laws get changed and they help some and hurt others. And you just have to keep moving on. Um, and so, uh, you know, we, a lot of us trainers started dabbling in the online world. Thank God we at least had something going on because when COVID happened, that was all we had left. And so, you know, a lot of other podcasts, I started a podcast in the summer of 2020 And, you know, I themed it that over 40 fitness hacks for, you know, kind of my, that was kind of my niche all these years. And, uh, you know, seeing all these other podcasters too, all came at the same time because there was nothing else to do. You know, we had our online clients, but you time to make podcasts. Exactly. And so, uh, you know, just, just being, being, having my own podcast and just seeing the, the scalability one, but also just the, how fulfilling it is to be able to go outside my Orange County bubble talk to people around the nation, around the world. You know, a good chunk of my listeners are from Australia. Like, I don't even know how that happened, but it's it's so cool seeing, like, how how you can use this to help, you know, help more people. It helps you because it increases your business as well. And uh, it's just it's just been awesome, you know, and talking to other health and wellness professionals such as yourself, too. You learn something from everybody. Yeah, for me, it's really been one of the, and Feel Strong is in a situation where we're, deliberately not making any money off the podcast. We actually, we, we lose a decent chunk of change every time we do this, but find it incredibly useful. And, and more and more, 
use this as a resource for clients. Yeah. So at some point, I don't know exactly what chunk of this it's going to be, but six months from now, I'm going to grab this podcast and send it to a client. Be like, you need to listen to this part. This is actually really important. Instead of saying it all again in 10 minutes or trying to get on a call or writing another long post, I can take the moment and say, you know what? Someone else already said this really well, or I said it well, or this is actually a conversation that I, this really reminds me of. Go look at this. And it's become this sort of compendium of long form resources, which some people love that stuff. And then, and I've had the same thing. I've, we've got, we have at least three listeners in Honduras for sure. Cause the numbers keep spiking. Yeah. <laughs> That's so fascinating. I don't know how it happened there, but yeah, there's people all over the place listening. Yeah. You know, and same thing. A lot of my clients are, you know, listen to my show or at least are subscribers too. And, uh, you know, I love numbering all my episodes and I kind of categorize them for what, you know, a uh, guest coming on, or if I do a topic, you know, what those topics are, because exactly the same thing, you know, I use this as a resource and tell them, okay, you know, listen, if you're interested in this, you'd, you'd probably be interested in episode this, this, and that. And, you know, I have it right there at my disposal already. And, you know, this podcast is, you know, it's online. It's, it's on there forever or, you know, it's right there. It's in the computer they're holding in their hands. It's incredibly accessible and it's so easy to share. Yeah. What are some other, aside from the pure training principles we've mm -hmm. talked about, uh, time under tension and modulating reps and all that, what are some of your, your favorite quote unquote hacks? Cause I know you've approached this largely as an end of one, like you're, you're experimenting on yourself and finding things that work and then sharing it with people. Exactly. You know, just over, over all the years, I just figured that's my job is to try everything out there, training, try every diet out there, you know, every supplement, because that's why people come to us as a resource to ask about these things. Um, and just, you know, definitely matters over 40 because now things are changing. It's like I said, it's harder to, you know, stay as fit and, and you all, you know, with some excessive weight gain too, once, you know, it's just part of the aging process. And so, you know, I've had to change you know, diets and different things and came up with these hacks. So one of my biggest ones is uh, just how easy and simple without changing anyone's diet to something else um, and preaching that one's better than the other. Mine is whatever diet works for you, that's the one to go with because you feel good on it. It works with your lifestyle. As long as you're working with your health and wellness professionals on your blood work and everything, you're fine. But uh, intermittent fasting. And so intermittent fasting is just a simple theory of you know, giving your body longer fasting time. So it has a chance to clear out, um, you know, your, your blood, your, your, uh, digestive tract. It's a, you know, a thing called autophagy, your body getting that extra time to be able to clean itself out has so many powerful benefits to it. And basically you're just crunching your eating time window into a shorter time window. And so, you know, if someone wants to try it with any diet they're doing and just crunching it down to say, starting with like a 10 hour eating window. And then, you know, the rest of the time you're fasting, then, you know, if it's okay with your health and wellness professionals, if you're worried about it, you know, check first, but then you can kind of crunch it down into lower and lower and lower times, um, whatever works for you. And, you know, also your eating windows for getting all your macros. If you're worried about that, you got to, you know, compensate for that as well. But just how much benefit I've gotten, I'd be personally do a six hour eating window and then 18 hour fast. And just seeing like how much energy I have, the you know, the body changes that have happened, being able to hold that weight off, energy levels go up, um, and then started doing, uh, dabbling in a little bit of the longer fasting every now and then, and you have to work, you can't just jump in and do a longer fast, you have to work at it and have someone watching you, 
But uh, I started doing the longer fasting and I gave myself a four month period and uh, did blood work prior and after. And with just four, four months of pretty much doing it every other week, and I built myself up to about a 36 hour fast. My uh, biggest thing on my blood markers were my cholesterol had dropped 20%. Not to say that I was in the danger zones or anything. I was okay. But genetically, you know, my dad's blood and everything, I was kind of a little higher in cholesterol than, you know, the most fittest person on the planet. But having a 20% drop in four months, my doctor couldn't even believe what, what I was doing. So I'd, of course, tell him all that kind of stuff. And, you know, since then, I've had other people... Just add it and just do the simple intermittent fasting and, you know, the results that came from that. So 20% is really significant. And I I just want to highlight something you're saying because I can already feel people like leaving comments and chasing me down on Twitter or whatever. Brad is talking about more than just caloric restriction here, right? There's been plenty of work done at this point showing that if the only thing you care about is reducing calories, then there's a million ways to do it. And they're all essentially the same, whether you're counting macros or intermittent fasting or, or, or going keto or going like fill in the blank on your thing. If the only goal is caloric restriction in order to lose weight, there's a lot of ways to do it. And most of them work pretty good, but we're also talking about uh, significant lifestyle improvements and significant blood work improvements and doing this for overall wellness and then tracking it. Like, I don't know. Yeah. How do I look? How do I feel? How do I perform? Isn't if you're doing something and you feel terrible, and you're completely run down, and you're getting angry at all of your friends, you might not be on the wrong thing. Something's probably missing from your diet or your life or something like that. But I'm a huge fan of, of, you know, within safety protocols, like be your own scientist, experiment on yourself, and you will find stuff out. Even like small, you know, I I found a a few small food intolerances I wasn't aware of, Mm -hmm. and none of them were dangerous, and I never would have gotten diagnosed as everything, but Whew, boy, it has like changed how I feel and how I perform and my energy levels throughout the day to a really significant degree. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's the thing is, you know, intermittent fasting, people can try it. And if it does make you feel terrible, then it's not working for you. So so obviously, you know, I've learned over all these years that everyone's body is different. I mean, we're all humans and there's some basic knowledge that we're all kind of the same in certain parts. But there's so much to our blood chemistry and genetics that to play a part in like what diets we all should be on and everything. And a, a good cue is just, you know, journal it, track it. How do you feel? How do you feel after you change this diet? How do you feel after you tried this fasting thing? And if, you know, go with the stuff that feels good and ditch the stuff that doesn't work. Um, and so, you know, just, just trying stuff. But, you know, with intermittent fasting, my, my goal wasn't necessarily to lose all this weight either. You know, I really wanted to try it for the you know, the feeling good part. And that's where I got all the success from. And aesthetics was just a, a plus that came with it. It's like, oh my God, look at this. I I shed a, an extra few pounds that I normally would, but you know, by the end of the week and, you know, still allow me to go have a little fun on the weekends and then, you know, get back to the routine on Monday. So that's kind of how it's been working for me. And that's actually sustainable weight loss as opposed to, uh, I'm sure if anyone's ever tried like a short-term experiment with fasting for weight loss, yeah, it'll probably work if you have less time to eat. You you will likely be eating less total, et cetera, et cetera. You'll fill up. But if it's only for a 30 or 45 day goal, then it's probably pretty unsustainable. So tracking this stuff over time and making sure it actually works within mm-hmm. your life as you go through waves of having plenty of time and feeling rushed and getting great sleep and getting a kind of okay sleep because you're really stressed and this still being able to support that, I think you found a winner. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
another hack, Justin, I like talking about is you actually learned it from another uh, podcast that guest that came on about a year and a half ago. And his focus was more on uh, tracking not only your macros, uh, but your micro minerals. So your calcium, magnesium, potassium, your vitamins. Um, and it's not something that you need to do every day unless you're really into, you know, tracking your stuff on MyFitnessPal or whatever. Most of us just need a refresher, just kind of update it all and be like, okay, we're, we're within our ranges that we that we want. But uh, it, a cool thing is, uh, you know, get a chart. Um, you always got to say, check with your health and, wealth, health and wellness professionals on, you know, the amounts you're supposed to have. But, a, you know, a good start would be just to Google all the RDAs of each one. Um, and then just, just track them on a chart and uh, a good website to go to is called, uh, eatthismuch.com. And what that is, is, um, you know, I, I started discovering like on my fitness pal, not every food group on there had everything listed. It's just because it's a public community thing and people were lazy and weren't updating it at all. So I had to go research it myself. And that was an easy website. Literally will show you all the macros and my, uh, micro minerals of every food group uh, in raw form and cooked. Cause when you cook things change and certain things can like go up in potassium or it could denature it and destroy one of the minerals. So you do this chart and, uh, the guest that was on my show, T- Tim Kelly, uh, he had me do this and he, he basically said in American diet, you know, our sodium, we all know it, our sodium's out of control, but he said our potassium is next to nothing just because we don't have it or it gets cooked out. Um, and, and what you want is to have a two-to-one ratio, potassium to so- sodium. So he's like, I bet you out of all the minerals, that's going to be the biggest one uh, when you look at your RDAs. And then there's there's people out there um, that talk about, you know, we don't even know if the RDAs are enough. But, you know, that's up to each individual person to make their decision on that. But as far as doing the chart, oh, my God, you know, besides maybe a little copper I was deficient in, potassium was next to nothing. And sodium, even though I thought I was watching my salt intake, sodium was out of control. So just making that switch and, you know, it's, it's better to do it with real foods instead of supplements because potassium could have some dangerous effects with, you know, messing with your heart rhythm. So getting it from real food is the better choice, in my opinion. And uh, just making those switches and sure enough, just within like a four day time period, how much bloat and water weight that sodium holds and how much you can shuck off. And with potassium, it pulls water into your cells, giving you a fuller look. You know, the potassium helps with electrical uh, current in your body, making your workout better, making you feel better. And it was just, it was so, so cool, you know, checking that. And, you know, I don't sit there and make that chart every day. It would take forever. But, you know, you kind of know what you're eating throughout the, the week and weekdays. So, And once you make that a switch like that, you notice that significant difference. I actually hadn't heard that potassium sodium ratio before but i love bananas so i don't see any reason to not do this yeah um uh amazing source of uh potassium amongst other things but once you notice a feeling like that by adjusting your own diet you start to become really tuned in when things go the other way and i've had this conversation with lots of people with gluten intolerances and dairy intolerances and things like that who kind of weren't aware of it we take it out of their diet or reduce it to a really significant degree for 20 to 30 days then reintroduce it and see how you feel. And suddenly they're like, oh, I feel terrible. Like I feel bloated and slow and lethargic. And we have to kind of realize that this is how you used to spend a lot of your time. So then it's just a choice. And no one's saying you can't ever have sodium again. Or you can't ever have processed food or eat things that, you know, give you joy in small amounts. But now you're making a really informed choice. When I do this, this is how I'm going to feel. Mm-hmm. If I instead choose to eat this way, this is how I'm going to feel. Now you have the information. You can do whatever you want with it. 
Yeah. And you know, just, you know, the more, the more healthy habits you start building and making that kind of lifestyle change, you know, there's many, many different buckets. You know, you got your diet, you got your, if you choose to do like a intermittent fasting, uh, you're tracking your micro minerals, uh, you're, you're going on walks, you're doing your cardio, you're doing, you know, your workouts. There's many, many buckets where you can kind of relax on some of those, uh, over the course of, you know, a couple of weeks, you know, everyone's got life to live and family and, and their job and everything. But the more buckets you have, the less, uh, noticeable difference is going to happen because you have everything so spread out, um, with your, with your health and fitness. You're not just banking it all on, I don't do anything but run. And so therefore, if I don't run, everything's going to compile back on. No, you have many different things that you're working on for your health and fitness that you can relax on some of the other things when, you know, when you need to. Yeah. And it's not just relying on that workout to get all of the work done. And we know that, you know, your, your, your neat, your, your day-to-day movement is actually mostly responsible for the calories you burn moving. No matter, I don't care what your workout looks like. It's still actually all the walking and shifting and all of that other stuff you do during the day. And this is just another part of that. It's actually all of the other things you do surrounding that workout. They're going to have the really significant effect. And then I'm happy to fine tune things within that workout all day long, but it really is the bigger picture is always going to win in the long run. Yeah. And look, look how big movement just is. We all experienced COVID. We all joke that we all got the COVID 19 pounds put on, you know, even all the personal trainers in our gym, you know, we all brought, you know, weights and everything home and, and did our own workouts, but okay, you did your 30 minute hour long workout, you know, seven days a week, but then you did nothing else the rest of the day. You know, you talk, talk about people tracking their steps and stuff that, that matters and how much movement mattered with like weight gain, feeling terrible. Um, and so, you know, another part too, in my life was, you know, going down from three gyms down to one, you know, I'm moving less because, you know, I'm not hustling, going to all three spots every day and all that and started noticing the change. So you got to, you know, compensate for that. But, uh, you know, movement, I think people, people under 40 really don't see that too much. One, because they're just so vibrant and they're doing stuff and they are doing the movement, but also you're young and you can get away with a lot of that stuff yeah. too. Over 40, we're, we don't have that anymore. It's not the same. Making that a priority and finding places to insert walking, finding places to insert, getting sunlight on your face for a few minutes a day and realizing that doing that every single day has tremendous long-term effects and not doing it also has tremendous long-term effects. It's, it's not a neutral choice to not do something. You are moving in one direction or another. So the cost of inaction is often higher than the cost of action, even if where am I going to find 20 minutes to go for a walk during my busy day may be a reasonable objection, but the price on the other side is likely higher than you actually want to pay. Yeah. And, you know, having for me, you know, I'll write down just like I journal a lot of stuff and one of them is just a template of here's some options to move for the day. You know, you got walking, you got biking, you, you can work out, you could just do physical therapy exercises because I do a lot of that just to keep, you know, my back at bay. Um, and then, you know, just whatever one feels good to you that day. Obviously, if you have a, a trainer and you got a schedule, you got to do those days at least. But doing something every day, it, you know, is so important versus, you know, taking Saturday and Sunday off and doing absolutely nothing, not even going out to, you know, walk to get your mail or anything. You know, you got to you got to do something. It's just part of you know, our genetics and the way we're built as humans, we're meant to move, not not lay down and do nothing. And I think that's especially a bit of a mindset shift from someone who 
used to train two to three hours a day. I remember hitting those times when I would, would you know, have a day where I would look at my schedule and say, well, I don't, I don't have two and a half or three hours. I guess I'm not working out today. And it, it took an embarrassing amount of time to wrap my brain around, no, working out for 15 minutes really beats the hell out of not working out at all. I know you're not going to get your complicated 19-point plan in today, bucko, but why don't you know, go for a jog and swing a kettlebell round and round for 10 minutes, and that will definitely have some significant benefits. Yeah. You know, I got three steps outside my house on some days. I'm like, you know what? I'll just set a timer 10 minutes, just up and down those three steps very carefully. Don't, you know, don't trip or anything. But after 10 minutes at a good pace, you're like wiped out. I mean, and you can, you know, I'll have a little weight vest to help out with me too, but just, just something. Do you ever get, I also own a weight vest and I have become really hesitant to walk around in it because people give me the weirdest looks because it does kind of look tactical. (laughs) Yeah. So I did, I just did an episode about that like three weeks ago where I, 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 that was my main concern. You know, I wanted to start doing, you know, I've been doing longer and longer walks and everything feel great. I go at that good pace, mm-hmm. uh, mindful of every movement just to make it, you know, that much more of a, a workout than just walking. But at some point you're like, okay, now this is still too easy. And I'm, and I can, I can walk faster than my wife could run. <laughs> you know, hopefully she doesn't yeah. listen to this episode. But uh, yeah, so I went back to the the weight vest and just, you know, I don't need a 60 pound weight vest like I used to do in my 20s and early 30s. But that was the other problem was that it's so tactical that it literally looked like a bomb jacket and I'd get all these looks. And uh, even worse, if you got a big sweater to go over it. People are like, dude, what is this guy packing? There's something going on. Um, and so, you know, doing all my research, I found uh, one that was basically just super form fitting. It's called the Hypervest Pro. Um, and it was like a hundred bucks. It's a little pricey versus like the $20 versions, but man, I can do, I can just walk around the house. I could do chores with it on or go on my walks. It's not enough weight to ever really do any kind of damage to my back. Um, uh, but I don't, you know, I, I did it cause I didn't want to run anymore. You know, the G force of pounding on, 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 uh, my spine just from running. I just, you know, for me, for now walking is just better, but just, this gives me a, a little extra effort you know, it makes it so much more, but also don't feel like I'm going to get the cops called on me. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like, I already know that I look a little scary to people. I don't really need to up that, you know, at five <laughs> o'clock in the morning in the shadows, this guy walking around with this crazy looking vest on. Uh, some of you just referenced in a moment, I'm going to ask you to tell everyone where to find you and everything. But with someone who's done as much podcasting as you have, I like to ask people, is there an episode that you think people should start with. And I know where this is generalizing because you'd probably give specific things to specific people or maybe a couple that you think, uh, you know, if you're going to come into to my show, you should probably maybe start with one of these. Yeah. Yeah. I get asked that all the time. And that's why I started numbering my episodes just because it's easier to, to refer someone there. But I think, you know, listening to the guests I had on Tim Kelly was, you know, mind opening, you know, especially I've been in this industry for so long and I've never seen that kind of focus you know, on, he talks about how important blood flow is, your lymphatic system. Um, what we just talked about with potassium and microminerals is very eye-opening. I think that's a cool one. Um, and that starts on episode 195. And then another guest I had on, uh, Dr. Amy from Pebar Institute. She was a, um, a physical therapist, was also uh, specialized in pain management through breathing. And, you know, you hear people talk about breathing and how important that is, which it is. But the, exactly what you need to do step by step to basically it's called diaphragmatic breathing. 
and how you need to hold your rib cage in as you breathe um, and allowing your diaphragm to do the work. And what that does is she goes into explain how that um, calms your nervous system, your fight or flight that could have could happen daily. It could happen because of a trauma like mine from five years ago that I'm still suffering from now and finally calming down your nervous system and, you know, doing a few sessions with her. I think it was like in four days, I cut 50% of my pain out that I was having with all my back issues. So after that, I was a full proponent of that. She's been on my show a bunch of times. Um, and that episode was uh, episode 71, if you want to learn how to do that type of breathing. But those are kind of my two that are fun. They're not really kind of talked about in the fitness podcast world. So Those sound tremendous. And I love, it sounds like Dr. Amy and I are doing uh, some of the same work, though I imagine she's, a, she's somewhat ahead because we use breath work with pain management and desensitization all the time. And it is just this side of a magic trick. It yeah, works so well. It's insane. But, you know, we need this kind of stuff getting older and older. We don't need to suffer. There is stuff out there. We just got to be more mindful like we've been talking about this all the time and, and keep searching for, for answers. Don't just give up whatever, you know, is troubling you in life. So, Yeah, and they are out there. And there, there's great expert professionals doing really high caliber work. And again, willing to give huge portions of it away. The information is not the big secret. Exactly. Brad, uh, send people everywhere we should send people. Where should they go? Where should they find you? Where should they listen? Yeah. So uh, start out with the, the podcast, Over 40 Fitness Hacks. It's uh, four zero, not spelled out. Um, and, you know, obviously Spotify, iTunes, wherever you listen to your, your players. And then my website is uh, over40fitnesshacks.com. Also four zero, not spelled out. And uh, just has a contact form. I've got a blog on there. I just put you, uh, I did a blog episode about you, Justin, from coming to my show. So that's up there. Um, and then, yeah, that's just the easiest way to, to get a hold of me right now. Perfect. And we'll put all of that in the show notes. So if you're listening to this on a device, look down, press a button. They're all there. They're one click away. Brad, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, this has been great. I love going on other shows and talking to other health and wellness professionals such as yourself, Justin. So thank you uh, so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Feel Strong Fitness Podcast. Please subscribe if you haven't already. Leave us a five-star rating if you have the time. That makes a big difference. DM us on Instagram at feelstrongfit. Any questions if you just want to pick our brain. If you'd like more info, the website is feelstrong.me. We value effectiveness, individualization, and empathy. If you want to see what it's like to have an expert in the field, really listen and hear what you need to build you the perfect program to get you where you want to go today, is the perfect time to get started. We look forward to hearing from you. Thank you very much.